What up, guys? Episode 12. We're here. Good job to me. Agent Oviedo. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, but I, wanna, I wanna apologize to you guys. Because I know I still have not posted all the end of the year awards or whatever. I promise you, as you're hearing this, I am working vigorously to have that by the end of today. I promise. I swear. I'm going to put it on my to-do list. I only have two left to do. I've done all the other ones except for three. Not two, three. I swear I will do them. I have a lot more time on my hands now. I just finished something that was not haunting my life, but taking a big chunk of my time, but that's over and done with. So I hope, not I hope, it's going to happen that I will have all that for you guys on my Instagram at Punched in the Mouth Official by the end of today. I promise. I promise. Anyway, enjoy the fights this weekend, guys. Deuces. What's going on, everybody? Here we are back with another episode. We're going to start off with, I wouldn't call it sad news, but I call it a bit heavy news. If you're a fan of The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, more specifically, if you're a fan of Cara Dune, which was played by former MMA fighter Gina Carano, she came out on Haywire. On one of the Fast and the Furious movies, it was one of the newer ones. I just can't remember the number where she acts like their friend throughout the whole movie. And then at the end, that she's with the bad guys. Anyway, she got fired from The Mandalorian. And she got dropped from her talent agency because of some tweets she put out. Basically implying, if you're a Republican in today's age, is like being... Uh, Jewish or of Jewish descent during the Holocaust. I don't agree with what she said because those people lived in fear. I believe now people are just in difference of opinion. Like, I don't see. I mean, there are people getting attacked for their political views, but that's not the point here. Like, it's not the same because those people were literally being put in ovens. I don't see people being put in ovens. They may be getting into arguments or attacked because of their political beliefs, but I don't believe their lives are in immediate danger. Like the people during that time where they literally had to hide and be separated from their families. Like, come on. I don't believe Gina Carano is a bad person. I feel for her because here, I'll read to you what was put out if I didn't close it because knowing me, I closed. Oh, I didn't. Okay, here we go. 
Gina Carano will not be returning to the to the Mandalorian or the Star Wars galaxy after sharing posts on social media implying being Republican today is like being Jewish during the Holocaust. Uh, and then it goes on to say, Carano has also been dropped as a client by UTA and agency spokesperson confirmed. On Wednesday, the hashtag FireGinaCarano was trending following the Instagram post from the outspoken controversy actor and former mixed martial artist and was met with severe backlash. The post has since been deleted, but screenshots were widely shared by users on social media who called for her firing from the hit Disney Plus Star Wars show. This is not the first time Carano, who played former Rebellion Alliance soldier Cara Dune on The Mandalorian, has been the focus of has been the focus of social media array for her political comments. Last November, she issued continuous tweets, one of which she mocked mask wearing amid the novel coronavirus pandemic, and another in which she falsely suggested voter fraud during the 2020 presidential election. They have been looking for a reason to fire her for two months, and today was the final straw. A source with knowledge of Lucasfilm's thinking tells THR, The Hollywood Reporter. According to source Lucasfilm's plan to unveil Carano as a star of her own Disney Plus series during the December Investor Day presentation, but scrapped those plans following her November tweets. The Mandalorian spin-offs are in the works from executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filioni, including Rangers of the New Republic, which could have potentially starred Carano. But after her latest round of social media posts, the decisions to cut ties with the actor came swiftly. Carano came up in the world of MMA, and has appeared in high-profile projects such as Deadpool and Fast and the Furious 6. Okay. My immediate reaction to this is Gina Carano's career is over as a movie star for now. She can recover, but as of right now, I feel her career is on hold right now. Um, I don't think she would come back to MMA. I think... The best move for her would be to keep her head down. But that's just me. But moving on from this. Gina Carano. I don't believe is a bad person. Just the state of things right now. You can't be saying things like that. Because. First of all. It's just not true. And second of all. We might have difference of opinion. But we're not going around killing people. Like, those people were being killed in, during that time, in my opinion. If you talk to somebody else, they might say something different. But as far as I'm concerned, what she said here is not true. And if what they're saying is true, um, I just feel bad for her because I do know The Mandalorian was doing very well. I, I personally have never watched an episode, but I heard it was one of the better shows on Disney+. Plus. I'm personally looking for forward to Loki and Captain America and the Winter Soldier, but that's just me. I'm, what is it, rambling? But I don't believe Gina Carano is a bad person. I do believe she was in the wrong. Maybe something happened that she got frustrated, she read something, but 
I don't know. I'm not trying to justify what she did. I'm I'm just saying. I don't believe she's a bad person, but moving on from that. Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz has popped his head out. He went on Ariel Hawani and he called out two guys. He called out Charles Oliveira and and the guy that just beat Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. The only problem with that is, he says, I'm not fighting at 155. He goes, I'll fight them at 165 or 170. Now, let's think about what he said. He's saying, I will fight them, just not at lightweight. Now, I have a couple of theories on why that is. I think Nate figured out that when he goes down the lightweight, it takes too much out of him, and I think he's put on some size where he feels like at 170 he's better. And I think this is the bigger thing, is that he really wants to push for that 165-pound weight class. But because it's him, they're not going to do it. Like, if it was Connor pushing for the 165, I guarantee you they would think about it. But because it's Nate and they know the way Nate is, I don't think they will do it. Because if they do it, Nate would be like, see, I held out for so long. They finally bended to my will. Here's the thing. When Nate says something, he somehow gets his wish. Because, like, let's look at the positive here. He says, I will fight two specific guys. Charles Oliveira, which Charles already said no. He's like, no, I want to fight for the lightweight belt. And Dustin Poirier, where Dustin said, yes, I'll fight him. I don't care. He's like, I, like, Dustin has even come out and said, I will take a rematch over Connor or a fight with Nate instead of the title because I already feel like I'm better than all these top guys. Because he's saying, a fight with Connor will make him a ton of money, and a fight with Nate is way bigger than the lightweight title fight, which. The honest truth is he's right. So there is a possibility. And he also said, Nate said, by April or May, he's ready to fight. So we, before the summer, springtime, we might have a big fight on our hands. And the way the UFC is going, especially March right now, March and April are on fire. Like, I can't wait for those two months specifically. You got Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori. We're going to jump into the future next week. That's a new segment I'm calling. Remember last week how I we went ahead to fight cards? So next week, we're going to jump into the future, look ahead. We're not going to do it this week because we already looked at this upcoming weekend's fight card and the following weekend. So next week, we're going to look past next week's fights. And keep it going from there. I'm going to call it jumping into the future. So we're going to jump into the future next week. But going back. April. You got Bohashinya versus Bobby Knuckles. And you got Marvin Vittori versus Darren Till. If Robert wins. He's got to be the number one contender, right? Like. We have to see how Israel Adesanya versus um, Brakovich plays out, but 
if Bobby Knuckles wins, he's the number one contender. If Paulo wins and Darren win, I would want to see them fight each other. Or even if Marvin wins, like the winner of that, if if Paulo wins, I would want to see the winner of Marvin and Darren fight each other. But I'm going too much into the future. So, going back to Nate. That's the whole reason I started that, right? In May, we can get Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier, which I can't wait. Like, I would want to see how Nate would, would handle the leg kicks, even though he said Connor was way dumb before that because Connor was a bit anxious and wanted to finish the fight fast. And he's, he was even saying Connor was winning that fight. He was landing the cleaner hits. And then Dustin just got him. So, I'm saying right now, sometime in May, we're going to get Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier because those are the only two fights he wants. He wants Charles Oliveira or Dustin Poirier at 170. And the only one I see willing to do that out of those two is Dustin. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm predicting for you now, sometime in May, maybe April. No, I don't think April. April's too stacked because they got the Darren Till, Pablo fight, Darren Till versus Marvin plan. And then they got... Paulo Costa versus Robert Whittaker plan. And then, I know this has nothing to do with UFC, but the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren fight's happening in April. So, April's looking pretty stacked right now. We'll talk about the Jake Paul-Ben Askren fight later, even though I know it's kind of old news. I want to wait for it to get closer for us to talk about it. So, April's looking pretty stacked. I can't wait to see it. March is looking stacked. February... It could have been better, but it's all right. But March and April right now are looking stacked. I can't wait to see what May and the summer bring. Because the summer is the rumored return of John Jones. So we'll see. We'll see. Next. The tough coaches. Okay. So for a while, they were saying the new tough coaches, the ultimate fighter, for those who don't realize what, what I mean by tough. For a while, it was said that it was going to be Conor McGregor versus Habib. That was before the Dustin Poirier fight. As soon as Conor lost, all that talk went away. Like, if Conor would have won that fight, that fight, I guarantee you, had a 90% chance of happening. But since Conor lost to Dustin, that fight has no chance of happening. And Dana White, I believe, has came out today and said they're looking at welterweights to be the coaches. I have two theories. One is going to be obvious that it would be Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington. Because that's the only reason that this fight is taking forever to be put together. Or, this is more of, I think this is going to happen. He said welterweight competitors, right? But what if he also meant that two people that would fight at welterweight, which would be Nate Diaz... And Conor McGregor with both of them coming off losses. Now, the only reason I don't think the Nate Diaz-Conor McGregor one would happen is because Nate himself, even though he was on the show, I don't see him being a coach. Like, he'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. So, I think the way they're going is Jorge and Colby, just for the simple fact that the fight is being... It's taking forever to... To announce, the reason I'm spacing between my words, and I do apologize because I'm watching LFA, 
Because I want to see Alex Pijeda, the guy that beat Israel Adesanya twice in kickboxing, in his promotional debut. So that I'm fast-forwarding that right now. But I believe Jorge Masvidal and Kobe are going to be the coaches with the clues that we've been given. And I believe they're going to fight sometime in the fall. Maybe September, at the latest October. Although Burns has come out and said, if I win the belt, I want to fight again in June. I don't see, unless what's going to happen is they're going to film the Ultimate Fighter. It's because with Colby and Masvidal, you think, okay, you think that fight's too big to be a fight night. Like, the thing is that those guys are such big stars that they can headline a pay-per-view and then it doesn't even need to be for a title. The fact that they're the main event and it's going to be five rounds is good enough for people. Like, it's trending in a way, and it kind of, honestly, it kind of worries me. It's trending in a way that stars are becoming bigger than title. Nate comes to mind. Connor comes to mind. Habib comes to mind. Israel Adesanya is trending in that direction where they're becoming bigger than the title that you're not going to care if they have the title or not. You just want to see them fight. So, like, that fight falls into that category because of who Jorge is and because of the amount of smack Kobe talks. That that fight, like, you would think, okay, if they're going to be the coaches, they'll put them on the finale as the headliner. That's fine, because they've done that for titles, too. Like, they did that for Yana and Claudia. Those girls, like, as much as I love both of them, they're not big stars like these two guys, Colby and Masvidal, that they can headline a paper. Like, if the world didn't have COVID, they would stack the card, but I'd be confident in telling you a card headline by those two guys can probably set out Barclays Arena, the Barclays Center in, in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, let's see the capacity. Let me see. Park. Please. Center. Capacity. 19,000. That's not a lot. I think the Staples Center holds more than that. Let's see. MSG. Madison. D. Madison Square Garden holds more people than that. Not a lot more, but like a thousand more. I think Staple Center is even bigger. Staple Center capacity. Capacity 20,000. It's a little less than Madison Square Garden. How about the forum? How many people does the forum hold? The 17,505. Okay, so to prove my point, they could probably sell out the Staples Center for the simple fact that it's a bigger arena. Okay. Like, that's how confident I am that how big this way is. Like, how big is T-Mobile? Because that's probably where it's going to happen. 20,000. Yeah, it's almost as big as the Barclays. I mean, 
It's bigger than the Barclays Center, a little less than Madison Square Garden. But my point is, they could probably sell all these places out with them as the headliner, both of them. And bro, if Colby and Masvidal are the coaches, I can't wait. That'll just make for good TV and it's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So you know the subscriptions are going to skyrocket, bro. For the simple fact that Jorge Masvidal is going to be on the TV on a weekly basis. And like, can you imagine the amount of smack those two guys are going to talk to each other? Or maybe, maybe, maybe Colby will act like he won't talk any smack and just start talking smack when, when Masvidal's not there. I love Colby, by the way. Anyway, I was going to throw this bet out there to my uncle if he would, because my uncle been trying to bet me. He's been trying to bet me since the Habib fight. Habib versus Gaethje. He goes, he goes. Because I'm like, if I have money, I bet you 20 bucks that Habib wins. Because everybody was picking Habib. I mean, everybody was picking Gaethje over Habib. And I go, I'm like, he goes, I'll bet you 20 bucks. I'm like, nah, 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 it's cool. But I'll, if he hears this, like, nobody tell him. Because if he doesn't tell me anything, I ain't going to say anything. But if he hears this, this is how I'm going to know if he listens to my show or not. If he hears this, I'll pick Colby over his boy Masvidal. See what he thinks. But anyway, I'm a big fan of both guys. But I like Kobe in this fight. Because I think Kobe, the style he presents, will be very difficult for Masvidal. Based off of the Kamara Usman fight. But there is a caveat that Masvidal took that fight on six-day notice and wasn't in the best possible shape he could have been in. With him knowing that he's going to fight Covington with months in advance and able to prepare for him. I want to see. I want to see if Masvidal is going to be able to beat him and then make the case to give him the rematch with Kamar Usman. But what great TV that's going to make with both those individuals on that show. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm praying that it's them or Nate and Connor, even though Nate and Connor seems like a like a stretch at this point. Okay, cool. We got the Ultimate Fighters return out of the way because I did hear that it's going to be back sometime in the summer, so... Or they might even be, now that I said that out loud, they might even be one of the featured fights on International Fight Week because I believe the main event for that's going to be the winner of March 27th fight against Johnny Jones in his heavyweight debut. Okay, got that out of the way. I still haven't gotten to the Alex Pijeda fight, so I'm going to move on to my next bullet point, Corey Sanhagen's next fight. I didn't pull up the rankings. I am such... I am so sorry. I was going to call myself a mean name, but I decided not to. Let me see. UFC rankings. Here we go. Corey Sanhagen should be, at the very least, number two. If he's number three, it's fake. He should, at the very least, be number two. Anyway, he went on Ariel show and said he is number two. Thank God the rankings are something to believe in. Okay, he is number two. He went on an aerial show Corey Sanhagen did and said he doesn't want to fight TJ Dillashaw. He wants to fight the winner of Peter Yan and Aljermaine Sterling, which I agree with him 100% because it's like I've been saying this whole time. If you give 
TJ a big name. Again, I'm not saying you can't give him a big name, but, like, make him work for it. Like, here's a good example, and I've been saying this. If Dominic Cruz wins his next fight, and he's fighting somebody unranked. No, he's fighting Casey Kenny. Sorry. he's If Dominic Cruz wins, have them fight because he's number 11 right now. If he wins, he can jump Rafael Sansa and be number 10. Have him, fight, have him fight somebody in the lower portion of the top 10. I'm not saying give him an unranked opponent. This is TJ I'm talking about. But give him somebody lower on the rankings and... Have him fight his way up because he put himself in this predicament. Why would you give him a top contender right away if TJ put himself in this predicament? I'm not going to talk about this for very long because I feel like I'm repeating myself. But I don't believe TJ deserves a top five guy right away. I believe he should fight the number 10 guy. Which I believe if Casey Kenny loses to Dominic Cruz on March the 5th, I believe they're fighting. If he loses... I believe Dominic Cruz would be the right opponent for him because Dominic Cruz already beat him once. And I believe TJ would want that revenge, but you shouldn't give him a top guy right away. So I think Corey Sanhagen is within all his right to want the winner. Even give him even the loser, bro. Like that's not bad for him either. Give him somebody from the Peter Yan. Aljamain Sterling fight like that's the, that's his next move. That should be his next move. If it's somebody else, I don't believe his manager or the UFC are doing right by him, because I believe the winner or loser of the Aljamain Sterling Peter Yan fight is a big fight for Corey. And at the very least, if he doesn't get the winner of that, he should get the loser. So there's your next fight. For Corey Sanhagen, either the winner or loser of Aljamain Sterling and Peter Young, which I believe takes place on March 5th. Volkov's next fight. Here we go. First of all, I really thought Alistair Overeem was going to win. Alexander Volkov had different plans. Mm. Oh, this thing's backwards. I forget. I forget. So Alexander... Oh, no, that's the wrong thing. I was like, whoa, really? Alexander Volkov is number five. Alistair Overeem went, so they swapped places. Okay, listen to me. We have to see the Razinho Rosasang Cyril Gain fight play out and the Derek Lewis Curtis Blades. If Derek wins, if I was Volkov's team, I'd be pushing for that. That's a winnable fight for him, even though he already lost. He was winning that fight when it first happened. Something just happened that he got caught. If Derek wins, I'd be pushing for that fight. If Cyril wins, I, if, if, if Curtis wins, don't push for that fight because he'll just take you down and wrestle you. If, if Curtis wins, look at the... Rosenstrike gain fight for your next opponent. He should fight the winner of that. Especially if it's Razinho to help him go up the rankings a little bit faster. For Alistair, if Razinho loses to Cyril, ask for that fight because you believe you schooled him. And 
they'll both be coming off a loss. So, we'll see what happens there. And Alistar said that Volkov broke his nose when he first hit him, which is crazy to me. Like, because as soon as that hit landed, you could see Alistar wasn't really in the fight. Like, he was basically running, not running away, but on defense. I don't like using the term running away because he wasn't doing that. He was on defense the whole time. So, heavyweight division cooking up. We got to keep a lookout because I believe the Derek Lewis Curtis Blades fight is not this weekend, but next weekend. And then Cyril Gain and Rosinho Rosenstrike fight at the end of the month. Talking about that fight, I saw today that Iri Prochatska and Dominic Reyes were rebooked for May 1st. So look, there's May already. There's already one main event for May. Which, that's a good fight to start May off with. Can't wait for that one. I still didn't get to the bottom of why Dominic Reyes pulled out, pulled out of the original date. I think at this point, it's hearsay. Like, if I would have been able to do it before it was announced, it would have been different. But, uh, the fight's rebooked. We'll see. Can't wait. Usman versus Burns. Okay. We talked about this last week. Hold on, hold on. Because I think I got to the main event for this Alex P. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. So, Usman versus Burns. Bro, I don't see... I see Gilbert winning this fight everywhere. There is a way Usman can win. Usman can win by holding him against the cage. And stomping on his feet. And I don't say that in a disrespectful way. I just see, I feel that's the way Usman wins this fight. Because Gilbert has the power to knock him out. I don't think Usman has the power. If Usman takes him down, Gilbert's jiu-jitsu is too good. And even if he doesn't submit him, he'll create scrambles where Usman's going to have to constantly be taking him down. Like, that's the other thing. I don't know if Gilbert's cardio, like... Usman's key to winning this is going to be push the pace and out cardio him. I don't know if Gilbert will be able to, if it'll get to a point where Gilbert's going to be too tired that Usman will be able to take him down and, will, and win the stand up war. Or if Gilbert has enough cardio to go all five rounds. Like, Usman's key to victory is push the pace. Because I know Usman's cardio will withstand all five rounds. I don't know. That's a big question mark for Gilbert. With that being said, with that being said, this is the only fight I'm going to bet on because even though there are some sleeper fights next this weekend, this is the only fight that really piqued my interest. I'm going to go with Usman. I mean, not Usman. I'm going to go with Burns for the upset. Let's look at the line. Let's look at the line. Let's look at the line together. We're going to look at it together, together. Usman versus Burns odds. Here we go. Here we go. Usman is a minus 270 favorite, while Burns is a 230 underdog. That's the late. Bro, so if you bet, as I understand this, if you bet $100, you would win. $250. 
230 and so on and so forth. So, let me take out my calculator because I can't do math and talk at the same time. If I bet $300 plus $230, oh, whoa, 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 what's that? I make five hundred. Okay, okay, okay. I want. I want to. I want to see something. I want to see something. Let's say I bet two thousand dollars on Burns right now. If I bet two thousand, two thousand. Okay. So if you bet, is it times two thirty? No way. So, I don't know if that's true, but if I bet $2,000 on Gilbert saying I would make $460,000. I don't think that's true. But maybe. Because, let me see. If I bet 500 on Gilbert at plus 230, I don't think, no, that's not true. That's not true. Because I know for every 100, so... I would get 230, right? So if I bet 100, I get 230. If I bet 200, if I bet 200, I would get 24, no, 4, 440. If I bet 300, I would get 530. So you're telling me if I bet. 2000 I don't think that's true Cuz you tell me I would only win no nah, I don't think that's true there's I would have to ask somebody cuz I wouldn't think that's true but Gilbert's the underdog and I like Gilbert in this fight to be honest with you Cause he beats him everywhere. I just don't know if he beats him in the cardio department. I say he beats him everywhere because he beats him in the stand-up. He can create scrambles where cardio comes into play, but he can create scrambles and po possibly submit Usman. But I like Gilbert in the fight, so I'm picking Gilbert. You can go with my pick or you cannot. It's cool with me. They tell me I'm the kiss of death anyway that none of my picks works. Especially my abuelita. She's like, bro, everybody you ever pick, they always lose. I'm like, thanks, Grandma. Thanks. Hamza Chimaev is out of his fight with Leon Edwards due to... Ooh, who's fighting? Is this, this is not the main event yet, is it? No, there's still time. Anyway, Hamza Chimaev is out due to COVID-related symptoms that he still has. Because if you guys remember, he was originally supposed to fight Leon Edwards in December. He got COVID, and then Leon got COVID, so they pulled out. And then they were supposed to fight January. Hamza still had lingering issues due to the COVID battle he had. Um, and they rebooked it for March 13th, but apparently Hamza still has some issues with the COVIDs. 
So Dana White has said that they're looking for somebody else for Leon Edwards to fight. So let's go to the rankings. Let's go once again. It's my favorite thing to do, guys. Have you guys noticed that? I love looking at the rankings because then I, my mind starts to go wild. And whoever listens to me, I don't know if you guys like it, but just know I love it. Leon Edwards, number three. Okay, we've already covered that Colby Covington and Jorge are fighting soon. Possibly going to be on the Ultimate Fighter. Gilbert and Usman are fighting. So, in the top five right now, the only one free is Stephen Thompson. And I believe he did call out Edwards. So, that's a fight right there. You got Michael Chiesa. That's another good fight for Leon. Honestly, if I was there, I'd take that Michael Chiesa fight to show that you're ready for Kamar Usman because Usman did beat him by grappling, and that's what Chiesa would do to him. If he's able to show that, yo, I'm ready for this, Usman, you can't stop me. There's the fight right there, Michael Chiesa, or you could fight an unorthodox striker in Steven Thompson because they did say they're going to move on from Hamza because it's taking too long for Hamza to be ready. And then, I believe March 5th or one of the March cards, it's either March 5th or March 27th, Tyron Willie's going to fight Vicente Luque. Oh my God, I'm so scared for Tyron. Like, I need the Tyron that fight Darren Till to show up in this fight if he wants a chance at winning because the the Tyron that showed up lately isn't going to cut it against the savage Vicente Luque is, bro. Like, it's just not. But for Leon Edwards' immediate future, whether he come back in April or May, I would I like either Michael Chiesa or Stephen Thompson. For my money, take Michael Chiesa just because of the style he presents. And I want to see if Leon has answers for it because if he could beat Michael Chiesa, he makes a strong case. Let me fight Usman. This guy has a similar style. I just show I could beat that style, so give me Usman and I deserve the title. Or Leon Edwards could take his... Page at a steep Facebook and be like, bro, I was promised the title shot. I'm going to wait for the winner of this fight and you give me the title shot. I wouldn't be mad at any of the three. Honestly, for me, number one would be Michael Chiesa for the simple fact that you haven't fought in, like, since I believe Rafael, when he beat Rafael Dos Años, which was almost like two, maybe even three years ago. So for me, fight Michael Chiesa. Because that dude's on fire right now, and if you take all that momentum, it's all yours now, bro. And I believe the last thing is, we're going to watch it together, or you guys are going to listen to me watch it. Because I believe the last thing is, this Alex Pijera fight, or Pereira, how they're saying it, I don't know. So the reason I'm so interested in this guy is he fights for LFA. Legacy Fighting Alliance that gave his name such as Nick Newell. Nick Newell used to fight for them before he went to World Series of Fighting. Um, Holly Holm. The Devastator Dominic Reyes was also a part of LFA. And the bigger reason I'm talking about this is because Alex Pijeda has been Israel Adesanya twice. Once by KO and once by Decision. That wasn't kickboxing, of course. But my point is, the bigger point I'm trying to make here is LFA is on UFC Fight Pass, so they use this organization as a feeder organization to see who else they're looking at, like they do with Invicta, 
and all these other players, whether they come out on Dana White's Contender Series. He was supposed to come out on Dana White's Contender Series in Brazil because they were doing, like, regions, like, specific regions for the show. Like, they do the one in Las Vegas for the U.S., and he was supposed to come out on one that was in Brazil. But I guess, like, Augusto Sakai came out on that. The guy out of Star Overing beat, Augusto Sakai, he came out on that. But again, I digress. I apologize. I guess at that time he was trying to get that fight to happen. He was still under contract with Glory. Although this guy he fought last, Thomas Powell. It was 4-4. Four and four. So, again... I'm not saying Alex Pierre is going to jump into the UFC anytime soon, but I believe it's foreshadowing that if he's able to do good right now on this regional scene, he will eventually end up in the UFC rather than Bellator. For the simple fact that he fights for LFA and it's on UFC Fight Pass, he's already got, a, I don't want to say a foot in, but at least a toe wedged in the doorway to get into the UFC at the very least, Dana White's Contender Series. I'm fast-forwarding it so we can get closer to the fight. But yeah, man, I'm excited for this right here. Because I believe this is the prelude to him getting into the UFC and possibly having a fight with Israel Adesanya at middleweight. Talking about Israel Adesanya, I saw... Uh, a social media post he, he put out. Oh, hold up, hold up. I saw a social media post he put out. Right there, right there. He goes, UFC 259 is stacked. Obviously, UFC 259 is the one he's headlining. It's stacked. And so am I. That dude looks so big, bro. Like, I can't wait. I want to... Ooh, no wonder everybody wants to see this guy fight. That was a good kick. Again, he's a kickboxer, this Alex Pijeda guy is. Damn, the fluidity he moves with. Can't wait. I hope he ends up in the UFC one day. He trains with Glover. Glover says he's an animal, bro. Let's see, let's see. But Israel goes, UFC 259 is stacked, and so am I. That dude looks so big. I hope it doesn't hinder his movement, you know what I mean? Because... We're so used to seeing Israel move with finesse and fluidity inside the cage. Dude, this Alex Pieta guy's pressure is nuts. Ooh, good body kick. The dude's hurt already. Oh, my God. Bro, I understand this guy's 4-4, four and four, but if... Oh, no. If this Pieta guy can do this to people on every level, people are... Oh, my... This guy... How did he last so long? Because I think... Eesh. This guy has a problem right here, Pijeda. I cannot wait. Can't wait. You know what? I'm so impressed with what I just saw. This is not even over, but I'm so impressed with what I just saw that I'm going to put a notification on my phone and tell me every time Alex Pijeda... Is his name Alex Pijeda? P I'm, for, for the sake of this, his name is going to be Alex Pijeda. But I'm so impressed with what I just saw, and I'm so impressed by his takedown defense. Again, I understand the level of competition is not the same that he would face in a bigger organization. This guy's 4-4. Four four. But 
the fact that he's able to stay on his feet when this guy's clearly trying to take him down, he's already going to present a lot of big problems because Izzy's not going to try to take him down. Izzy's going to try to stand with him. Or Izzy might try to take him down. Who knows? But as far as we know, Izzy would try to stand with him. And this guy's already presenting this dude with a lot of problems trying to do that. And he's kneeing him in the clinch. Eesh. I can't wait. I hope this is a stepping... Like, I don't like using that phrase, stepping stone. But I hope this is foreshadowing the fact that Pijero will be in the UFC sooner rather than later. Maybe a year or two. Damn, good Travis Brown elbows. Remember when Travis Brown... People would get him up against the fence and he just elbow them and leave them sleeping as Josh Barnett, bro. That fight was nuts. I love Josh Barnett. Can I tell you guys a story? When I met Josh Barnett, it was like a week before my 23rd, I want to say it was my 23rd or 24th birthday. It was the first time I went to one of Eddie Bravo's EBI tournaments. And that day I met... Gio Martinez and Richie Martinez, the Freak Brothers. Hold on, I got a story about Richie, but hold on. And, like, it was cool. Dude, this Alex Pijeda guy is going to be a problem for people. Dude, this guy's kicks are no joke. Like, I feel sorry for Powell right now, bro. Like, the dude looks absolutely lost. This fight took place on November 20th. I already know the outcome. I just want to see this guy fight. But this guy looks lost. This guy, if this was straight up kickboxing with MMA gloves, I think this guy would be undefeated. Alex Pijeda, I don't see anybody. Like, this guy's the best striker in MMA right now. Like, with his fluidity, I think he's better than Israel Adesanya. Of course, of course, Israel has fought better competition for the mere fact that he's in the UFC. But I'm telling you guys, if this guy makes it into the UFC... It's a matter of time before him and... Oh, my God. Holy hell. Dude, that fight was not hard at all for this dude. Oh, my God. Bro, listen to me. I am telling you, if Alex Pijeda makes it into the UFC, within five fights, he will fight for the title... And I pray if Bohashinya, Cannoneer, Till, Vittori, Hermanson, none of these guys in the top 10 could take him out. I hope it's Israel for the simple fact that I want to see. I want to see this guy fight for this. You could tell me, go back to watch the kickboxing. Dude, the guy's still on the floor. He's still unconscious. If you guys have UFC Fight Pass, look up LFA95, the main event. This guy is no joke, bro. Like, I'm telling you, this guy is going to be a problem. How old is he? He was born in 87. Fuck, how old are you? I don't have the money to think right now, bro. Can you just tell me his age, please? The dude is 33. Listen to me. This guy could be good until he's 37. He still has time. Oh my God. This guy is awesome, bro. 
Dude, he's like my new favorite fighter. I'm gonna watch his career slowly progress. Does he have another fight announced? Please tell me he does. I'm gonna look up his management, bro. He's taken out Israel Adesanya twice. He took him out by left hook in kickboxing with boxing gloves on and by decision and he just took out some dude that is still unconscious on the ground. They still haven't picked him up, bro. Oh my god, did he he didn't no the dude's not dead. They still haven't picked that poor guy up. I hope he's okay. This this fight did happen November twentieth, I'm pretty sure he's they're ba- the dude is still out cold on cut. Oh my god. Bro, if you guys have UFC Fight Pass, if you are my good friend, I will let you borrow my code. Please look up LFA95. This is my new favorite fighter. I love Nick Diaz. This guy, Alex Pieda, a problem. Like, you know how Kamar Usman says, I'm a problem? Alex Fijera's a real problem. What's his MMA record right now? He's 3-1. and one. He lost his very first fight. But that was back in 2015. Bro? Three. So he has four fights right now. That's fine. It's cool. Let him have a few more fights. Get him the 9-1 and one, and then I want to see him in the UFC. Because I believe Hamza is 8-0 or 9-0. He's not. He doesn't have double-digit wins. But get him to 8-1 and and then please put him into the UFC. Please. My God, that was ferocious. I think the dude is still down. I think he's still down. So anyway, back to my story. So I went to EBI, right? The guy's still down, by the way. I went to EBI, right? That's where I met Richie Gio. Richie and Gio, the freak bros from Oceanside and San Diego. I met, I got to see Gordon Ryan for the first time. That was before he was all jacked. I believe that was the final tournament before he got, like, super big. And I got to meet Gary Tonin and Josh Barnett. I got a story for you guys. And I got to meet Eddie Bravo that day. So, first of all, Josh Barnett is one of the sweetest guys ever. Like, the way that guy fights, the way, the the ferocity he fights with, that doesn't reflect the type of person he is outside the cage. Like, he's one of the sweetest guys ever. I asked him for a picture, but I couldn't find the camera app on my phone. He's like, here, bro, I'll help you. He helped me out. He was such a nice guy. We took a picture and everything together. Then... Wait, 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 let me back up. Before that, I had dropped my phone case during the event, and at that time, I didn't know, but it was Gio that helped me pick it up, and Richie was next to me warming up because I was next to the warm-up area. He's like, hey, bro, who are you here to watch? I'm like, oh, nobody in particular. I'm like, who who, who are you? Who, who you fight, I guess, I th- I said, who do you fight for, which I said, I should have said, which team do you represent, but I said, who do you fight for, he's like, oh, I fought for 10 plan, I'm like, oh, well, I know the guy that runs the Riverside one, so I guess I'll, I'll go for you, he's like, oh, thanks, man, Richie and Gio are two of the nicest dudes ever, like, if anybody has had an encounter with them and tells me that they, they were kind of mean to them, I'll be like, bro, you didn't meet the right people, because I don't think those guys are, have a mean bone in their body. 
because they are the two of the sweetest dudes ever. Then, then at the end of the show, Gary Tonin. At that time, I didn't know who it was. I just realized it a few months later. Gary Tonin tells me he's like, "Hey, bro, who are you looking for? Are you looking for a picture with somebody?" I go, "Yeah." Can, can you give me a picture with Eddie Bravo at this point? I thought that that was one of his students. He goes, yeah, bro, I'll get you a picture. Don't worry. And then when I realized it, for whatever reason, I realized who he was months after. I saw him, I want to say it was either a year later or two years later. I'm like, hey, bro, I don't know if you... Dude, that guy is still... That guy was down for a good eight minutes. Like, he's still on the canvas, and they already raised Pijeda's hands. Anyway, he goes... I'm like, hey, man, do you remember me? Because I had seen him for the Cinco de Mayo event where Gordon fought Vinny. He goes, yeah, man, I remember you. I met you at EBI. I'm like, dude, these are, like... Jiu-Jitsu dudes are some of the sweetest dudes ever. They'll choke you out, no doubt. But, dude, they're super sweet guys. Anyway, that's my story about when I met Gio, Eddie, and then two years later I met Gary. Well, no, I met Gary that day. I just didn't know it. But then two years later, um, I was able to take a picture with him. But anyway, I got a funny story. And this is where we're going to end it. So Tom Brady, the GOAT. Wins his seventh Super Bowl, right? And my boy Richie... Oh, man, I left my phone over there. Give me two seconds, guys. You're going to hear my chair and everything. I'm going to leave it in just so you can hear so you see I won't lie. Hold on. My boy Richie, he's a big WWE fan. He's a big Bret Hart fan. And he goes, he goes. He put a post up. He didn't tell me, but where's my pictures? I found it. He put a post up that has Tom Brady on one side and Bret Hart on the other side. The post reads Brady, world titles, seven Hitman, world title seven. King of the ring, never for Brady. Twice for Bret Hart. Tag team titles, zero for Brady. Three for Bret Hart. IC titles, zero for Brady. Two for Bret Hart. US titles, zero for Brady. Five for Bret Hart. WWE Hall of Famer, no for Brady. Twice for Bret Hart. And, and then my boy, he puts... The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Richie, just because it's you, the greatest post ever. If it was somebody else, I would have made fun of them. But just because it's you and how nice you've been to me and how sweet you are to me and you always answer my messages when I bug you, this is one of the greatest posts I've ever seen in my life. But I will concur that both Tom Brady and Bret Hart in their respective arts are the GOATs even though my personal favorite WWE wrestler is Kane just saying
just saying Kane and The Undertaker. But anyway, guys, this is where I leave it. Enjoy the fight. I think we're going to see an upset. New champion Gilbert Burns is going to make history being the first Brazilian to win the 170-pound title because there's never been a Brazilian welterweight UFC champion. I believe Burns is going to break that curse. All right, guys. Deuces.